recently I lost my dad. So I went through this weird emotional looking at the life like with a different angle. So I was just coming back out of it. I was starting to feel better. And then that happened. So I, I was there in a completely happy mood. Everything I see meant so much more to me. So seeing that Apple Park in person, being in there was, I don't know. I had a great time seeing all of you guys there, sitting with everyone, all the content creators that I know for years. Seeing the event light in right in front of me was fantastic. All the things they announced was really good too. And yeah, it's unforgettable. Welcome to Cured Up. I'm Andrew Edwards. I'm John Rettinger. Hey, John, how are you doing today? Listen, it is a good, it is a good day. It's a great day. It is a good day to talk text. I got a lot of hot takes. I'm ready to spit out here. You always do, which I, which I enjoy. Always. That's one of the always. things I look forward to here, but it's an even better day because for the first time. Very first time. In the history of this show, we've got what I would consider to be an iconoclast in the world of consumer electronics. One of the most respected names. And I will add, Andrew, you and I have facial hair. This man has a beard. <laughs> that is true. I thought I had a beard. I thought I had a beard. I was wrong. We do not. We have facial hair. Combined, we would not have as nice a beard as this man. Our guest's reputation is as voluminous as his beard. Mm, you're right. It is Mr. iPhone Doe himself. Himself. Farouk, how are you doing today, sir? I'm very well. How are you guys? We're great, as you can tell. We're happy you're here. I'm so excited to be here. I appreciate you not beard shaming us, so I jumped in and <laughs> did it ourselves in, in our intro. Come on, join me. I'm almost at the end of it. I'm debating if I should shave this off because, you know, it's getting hot and that's another thing to deal with. So Fair. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not married to it. I was about to say, I've seen, this is to take us right into our first topic because I saw the poll out there. Yeah. You've got a poll out there. I believe I saw it on threads, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I posted on Instagram and threads, yeah. Instagram, okay. So I saw it on, over on threads, the new hotness. And basically it was, hey, should I keep the beard? Should I give it a little trim? Mm -hmm. Should I go down to what John referred to as facial hair? <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And then there was the just shave it all off with like a just a baby face, which I was, I yeah. was, I was shocked to see. I was shocked to see that as an option. Shocked. What's winning? What wins is going back to, you know, the regular size, which is facial hair, as facial John hair. described. But I wanted to see if anyone wants to see what kind of a disaster may come out when you shave it completely off. Because I haven't seen my face for a really long time, so I don't know what's happening. Yeah, that's my vote. I actually had to shave my entire face about, I want to say like four years ago. Because I lost a bet to my son. As happens. We, we went to, uh, <laughs> yes, we went over here at the Seattle Seahawks before the game. They have something they call Touchdown City, which is kind of just like a fan fest before the game every, every, every week. And there was this thing where kids could try to throw a football through this circle, but this circle goes back and forth like a metronome. Okay. So I'm like. First of all, if this circle was not moving, he would not make this, even if it was stationary. So I'll have a little fun as a dad. And say, hey, if you, if you make this, I'll shave my whole beard. One throw, it like swish. If it was a basketball, it like swished through. It just, just oh. with ease. And so <laughs> <laughs> not only did I shave, but he actually made me record it. And I put it on, I don't know if it was Twitter or Israel, I put it on some social media. Very embarrassing. Oh, man. Oh, man. So that's my vote for you. Yeah. I think mine was like 15 years ago or something. I don't even remember. Wow. How are you liking Threads? How are you guys liking Threads? John, I see you there all the time. I'm there. I like Threads. I'm actually really enjoying Threads. My activity has not waned on it. It's fun to have kind of a, essentially a text-only platform. Can't really do much else in there. The engagement is still really high. It hasn't really waned in the two-ish weeks since it's been up. It's generally been more positive, although I'm sure the negativity is coming there. But I'm loving threads. I am, I am in on threads, and I'm there at John Rettinger. Yeah, I'm, it's weird because I don't really know why. Like, I love threads, too, and I don't really understand 
why. Like I can't really put my finger on because we have other text only services. We have Twitter. I was I would even say Facebook is pretty much most people are doing text updates there on Facebook. How is it that a new service like this, at least from the people who I follow and who are being served to me in the feed, some of which I don't follow, how is a new service just getting people to by default be on their best behavior? Because that's what I feel like does not happen on Twitter and does not happen on Facebook, but really does seem to be happening on threads. Like I open threads and I I don't know that I've ever really seen negativity. I've seen like negative opinions of things, but not really anyone attacking other people. You know what I'm saying? Have you seen that? Not at all. Not yet. I do want to have a eyes wide open discussion about threads though. Please. Right. So threads obviously owned by Meta. Yes. Have you guys checked the privacy policy in the app store? for what Threads is requesting information for when you download that app. It takes several finger scrolls to get to the bottom of it. And I encourage anybody here who uses Threads to look at it. And I'm gonna do this while I'm talking so I can give an accurate way of how to do it. Go to the App Store. Now this is just on an iPhone, I'm sure it's pretty similar on, on Android. Go to Threads. If you have it installed, that's fine. Just click on the app. Scroll down until you get to App Privacy. And there's a See Details button, which I don't think many people click on and then just keep scrolling. It is burly the amount of information that they are requesting and that you are accepting to when you use that app. Everybody's cheering for threads, and it's, it's tough to cheer for a Zuckerberg-backed entity, but they are keenly interested in all your information mm-hmm. over there, over there on threads. Did you, by chance, compare this list that I'm looking at right now to like Instagram and Facebook proper app. Is it similar? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's more or less the same. I think it can be exactly the same. Yeah, correct. Okay, which in that case, I, w- I, I mean, I would expect that. We know this company, right? We know this, we yeah. know this yep. company. They're going to try to take as much information as they can because that's the business model. The business model is not, although, I mean, I wonder... I wonder internally how it goes. Mark Zuckerberg said no ads until we hit a billion users on threads, which is interesting because that's how he's done other services as well. It's because once you get a billion people, people don't want to leave at that point. So now you can easily, you know what I'm saying? It's not that I'm going to be nice and wait. It's we're going to put (laughs) ads in when this becomes so ingrained in your daily life and in the daily lives of so many others that no matter how many ads we throw in there, you're not going to be able to leave. And you know that first ad is going to be exactly whatever it was you just talked about, right? Like if it, if it was today, it'd be like PCIe SSD. Yeah. <laughs> we hear you're looking for storage, Andrew. Here you go. Don't ask us how we know. Right, right. <laughs> that aside, though. Yeah, and I'm, I'm still using it. Why is it so, like, what is it that draws you in? Why are you drawn in there to threads as opposed to opening up Twitter or Facebook? Let's have an honest discussion, right? I'm going to give a very honest answer. It's very easy to be like, oh, it's a new platform. I'm really curious to see the content creators that go up there. I want to see a discussion. Listen, this is everything we do has a business play behind it. And I'm not going to lie and pretend that it doesn't. There's a new platform backed by one of the largest tech companies in the world that links their sign-in from Instagram, one of the largest social media platforms in the world, it would be foolish, and I'm going to quote Wayne Gretzky here, to not skate where the puck is going. So I'm skating where the puck is going. And it happens to be where the puck is going. It's a place I'm enjoying being. But it makes sense if you're going to put resources behind a new platform, you know, things like Mastodon and Blue Sky and whatever other ones are out there. It's a network good. The network's not there yet. Yeah. If any new social network's going to have a chance of succeeding, it's probably one backed by one of the big companies. Yeah. Interesting how you phrased it, how... It's backed by one of the biggest tech companies and Instagram is one of the biggest social networks. At this point, so is Threads. Yeah. Threads is, at this point, one of the biggest social networks out there. Have they announced how many active users? Last I saw last week, it was over 80, but that's, it's been many days since that announcement. No, I saw them. They hit 100. The last I saw was 100. They hit 100. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For comparison, last November, Elon said they had about 250 
I think he said monetizable accounts, the term that he used. And allegedly they have 450 million accounts on Twitter. So, you know, by now you're saying maybe half of the active users as Twitter and yeah. not even three weeks in is staggering. I'm curious how many people stay there and what the interaction engagement continues to be. But it's we haven't seen something promising like this since Twitter. Do you guys use threads differently than Twitter or do you just treat it the same as far as like what you put there? I left Twitter as soon as Elon bought it, so I don't use it anymore, but I didn't want to delete it because I gave so much effort to that platform because I loved it. I remember even a single tweet taking me hours to word it properly, put the proper images, create GIFs that are limited Mm -hmm. to 15 megabytes, you know, creating all that. I put so much effort into that platform, so I didn't want to delete anything because they're there's so many things I go back and look, but I immediately stopped using it the second he bought it. And I was in New York. I was like, ah, I'm done. I'm out of there. So as soon as that happened, I switched to Mastodon. I tried Hive, which I feel like they missed such a great opportunity because they could have been great. It was a really nice platform you were able to edit your posts and stuff immediately. You didn't need to pay or anything. But they had something go wrong. So they had to go offline for a while. So that did it for them. Mm -hmm. So when Threads came, I realized how much I missed because it's a weird thing to get adjusted to Instagram or TikTok. I don't have that as a reflex. When something pops into my head, I want to go and microblog it. And usually on Twitter, we were discussing stuff or things we found in the products we were reviewing. You know, does this overheat? How did you do this? And we would brainstorm like crazy on that platform. And having same kind of interaction requires all of our community to be there. And as soon as they were on threads, I was like, let's go. This is it. This is it. We're back. That's why I like it so much so far. So you treat it as you used to treat Twitter? Exactly. Yeah. So it's for you, it's just a Twitter replacement. Absolutely. Much better Twitter, in my opinion, because there there's so few features that I find threads so freeing right now. And in the beginning, I really didn't like the main home feed being, you know, not your following. Yeah. But then I realized, oh hey, I'm I'm meeting new people here. And since everyone has a nice attitude, I'm replying to them. Normally, you wouldn't reply. It it was like a feeling that you're diving into someone else's conversation. So on Twitter, I would never do that. But over here, it's like, hey, we're all having a conversation. So I would go and reply to other people's posts. So I don't know. It it felt like a fresh breath of air. But you, John? I find find myself like being more thoughtful with what I'm going to post almost like I would on Instagram. Whereas on Twitter, it's just like, I just have a thought. I'm just going to, boom, just, I don't even think about it. Just have something in my, here it is, tweet. Yeah. And I I feel there's a little more, I don't know why. It's just me. Like, I just feel like, I don't know if it's because it's owned by Instagram or it, it reminds me of Instagram, but I feel like it has to be worth posting, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to gauge engagement on it more. So I'm trying to ask more questions and sort of gauge responses. I'm still kind of dipping my toe into it, but I, I, I'm definitely more thoughtful with what I post on there than sort of Twitter. I'll just kind of post anything that is in my head and then immediately realize I made six typos in it. <laughs> but I'm learning the platform and learning sort of what I want to post there. Fair enough. Fair enough. Farouk, we met, I mean, we've been following each other for a while, but we met just a, about a month, a month or so ago, five weeks ago at WWDC, which was cool seeing you in person, meeting you in person. Let's talk about that really quick. That was your first time at Apple Park, your first event or your first invite to an Apple event. Mm -hmm. You are one of the, I would say, leading voices when it comes to Apple reviews and coverage, especially of hardware on YouTube. How was that for you being there the first time? Well, first of all, thank you very much for your kind words. It was mind-blowing. I mean, being there was such a fun experience. And I go to so many events 
with other companies and they're always, you know, they're big, they're crazy fun. But being there, you know, my, my channel started with the iPhone reviews, MacBook reviews, and all started with the Apple stuff. And finally, being there, I think to me was, I don't know, feeling like, hey, they finally see me. I'm finally here. They finally let me be there was a great feeling. And I recently, I lost my dad. So I went through this weird emotional looking at the life like with a different angle. So I was just coming back out of it. I was starting to feel better. And then that happened. So I, I was there in a completely happy mood. Everything I see meant so much more to me. So seeing that Apple Park in person, being in there was, I don't know, I had a great time seeing all of you guys there, sitting with everyone, all the content creators that I know for years. Seeing the event light in fr right in front of me was fantastic. All the things they announced was really good too. And yeah, it's unforgettable. Unforgettable. That's spoken as a true, I forgot how I phrased it last week, but it was like, it's hard. Sometimes it's hard. I don't want to be seen as just John, you probably remember this. Like when you, when we started blogging, there was a, a time where like, if you were blogging, you were beneath the journalists. And then a few years later, it was like, you're equal. Like you're, you are a journalist in a different medium. You're a journalist online. Right. But I feel the word journalism requires or comes with this baggage of always unbiased if you're a journalist and you get invited to cover an event, who cares? I'm just going to cover this information and share it in an unbiased fashion and I'm out of here. And there's not really or not supposed to be much meaning behind it or a feeling of like, like Farouk was saying, I, I feel like all the work I've been doing up until this point is now being seen or recognized by a company who's products, services, whatever you want to say, not only have I built a business covering, but also love using. I don't know what that's like. <laughs> you used <laughs> to go to Apple events. Get out of here. So I, I don't know. I don't know what feeling you guys are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Screw them. <laughs> I'm not salty. Nothing. Fair enough. Fair enough. But still, it's... I understand the feeling of whether Apple or anyone, right? Apple or anyone working, especially as a solopreneur, as a solo content creator, you just start putting your work out there and hoping people watch it and enjoy it. And then eventually learning that it's watched and enjoyed, not just by other people, but by the people who make the things that you talk about. It's, it's, it's very cool. It's very cool. Yeah. Speaking of the things that were announced there, I watched your video on the Mac Studio. I thought it was excellent. That's what I said earlier about how, how great your coverage is. Your content was just on another level. So why don't we talk about some of the things that they announced back then? And John, John's at the point where he's, correct me if I'm wrong, you're just a MacBook Air guy at this point. You don't need a Mac, even a Mac Studio. I'm on my MacBook Air. I took an hour video call today. I worked outside for two hours. I checked my battery. It was at 85%. <laughs> yes. I'm pretty happy with my lack of ports and my really long battery life. But you, you, at this point, you're not editing your own content. Like, it's not like you need a powerhouse machine. But Farouk, tell us about the M2 Ultra and what Apple's been doing. Well, I was imagining M2 Ultra was going to be a, a little faster than M1 Ultra, which, by the way, M1 Ultra is mind-blowingly fast, which gives you all the freedom when you're editing. You're not worried to put an effect on top of what you're doing. So when first M2 came out, when I was doing the tests, it was a little faster than M1. So I was imagining, yeah, M2 Ultra is going to be a little faster than M1 Ultra. But because they changed how it handles some stuff, the rendering times just went bananas. It is so fast that I used to put things to render and go start taking care of my 
thumbnail or something. Right now, I just put it to render, and I'm I'm so used to it. I'm getting impatient. I'm like, come on, come on. Why is it taking four minutes to render this gigantic file? And then it just delivers it. And and the beauty of this that I find that whenever there's something wrong with the video after the export, I was almost at the point of giving up, especially if there's a deadline and I'm editing the video the last second, because sometimes I get the products that I'm supposed to review on the very last minute. So I don't have much time to miss the embargo dates. So if there's something wrong, you would just post it like that. You're like, whatever. But with this, if if a plugin ruins the sh- video or something, you can just re-render it and then start uploading it. It's, it gives you that freedom. And I don't know, my mind is a lot more calmer when it comes to putting all my work into this machine because I know it means nothing to it. It's just like, yeah, let's go. What are we editing today? Oh, you want that gigantic file? Okay, let's do it. It's so good. I'm very happy. And the more I use it, the more I fall in love with it. I can't even imagine what's going to happen with M3, M3 Ultra, or like a couple of years from now. What is going to happen? It's just going to film the footage for you and already have yeah. it ready. Like, <laughs> what are we going to do with all? I don't know. Maybe we're going to tell AI now, hey, create me a new MacBook review and it's going to be done. Yeah. I've heard two things. Either the M1 Ultra didn't have the ability or there was a bug or an issue with the media engines. But basically, the M1 Ultra is two M1 Maxes kind of fused together. Each M1 Max has its own media engine. But the problem was with the M1 Ultra that the media engines could each work on a different task at the same time, but they could not both work on a single task at the same time. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. if you are trying to, I don't know, use compressor and export several pieces of content or do something else that a media engine would need, like you're exporting and you're also rendering something at the same time, each one of those tasks can use one media engine. But you couldn't just say, take both media engines and throw all the power at Final Cut during this export. That would not be possible on the M1 Ultra. The M2 Ultra, that was fixed. So now you've got two media engines, but they can act as one. And so all of a sudden, the gains that you see on the M2 Ultra in other applications, which would be 15 to 20% increase speed increases across the board, when it comes to encoding video, it's like 100% gain. It's just out of this world incredible. I do wonder if you are a video editor or someone who works with video, this is fantastic. If you're not, then... Does the M2 Ultra really, is it really something to upgrade from the M1 Ultra from? No, I think that if I was on M1 Ultra and I wasn't editing videos, I would be on M1 Ultra until it really slows down for me, until the updates require more sources, until the apps require more resources. I would use it for a really long time. Just like my uh, iPad 3. I used that thing for so long. It was still working. Yeah, I was using my iPad 3 for so long. And then Hulu stopped supporting it. So that's when I I had to stop using the iPad 3. Otherwise, it was something I was still using because it was just working fine. That's interesting. Wasn't the iPad 3 the worst one they ever made? No, not really. Mine was working. I I think I still have the video on Twitter from last time I was using it. Farouk, Andrew's essentially saying, isn't that thing you like actually terrible? No, no, no. <laughs> I think I think is what is what is what Andrew's saying here. No, Apple released an iPad. It was either the two or three where they released it, and then like six months later, the next iPad came because oh. that model was so like the it would overheat, the battery life was terrible. And like six months later, they released like the next one. I think it might've been the iPad 2. I think it was the iPad 2 and then iPad 3, like six months later, we had a new one again. And I think it was called the new iPad, if I'm not mistaken. It was just called the new iPad. The new iPad. It wasn't yeah, even called it iPad like 3. That. The new iPad. Yeah. Anywho, <laughs> I want to get your thoughts on Vision Pro. Just as it's been a polarizing discussion online. Yes, face on impressions here. Did you try it? 
No, I was so close okay. to trying it. And then the second day I was in the extra list, like if people uh, didn't go to try it. And then of course everyone tried it. So so I didn't get to try it. But you tried it, right? I tried it. I thought it was it's it's very interesting and it was a transformative experience with technology. But I found that I don't know. I I like hearing the thoughts of people who haven't tried it because there is definitely a sense of when you're in there and you're using it, you're not just using it at home casually, right? Like you are one of the first people to try something and you're one of the first people to try something you've never like really experienced before. So just those two things in and of themselves can make something feel cooler maybe than it actually is right because like i've never experienced this before this is such an amazing thing how can this be real right how can this exist i'm 42 years old how can this how can there be something i've never experienced (laughs) before this is crazy so as someone who saw what apple had to say about it and saw the hardware what were your thoughts okay so i'm really impressed and i think it's gonna deliver what they're promising I kind of trust them on this one, but my critique is not about the product, but the way they introduce the product. I feel after everything settled down, after I was at the event and and then right after that, when I went to my hotel room and I was thinking about what I'm going to say about these products, I thought to myself, if... Apple had that all pre-recorded things, you know, displayed in front of us and we would watch it on the screen and cheer and clap, whatever. But when it was time to talk about Vision Pro, if they just stopped that and come on stage and somehow did that presentation with mix of like, yeah, some videos to show you what's happening. But if they did that live, I feel like that would have blown everyone's heads and stopped most of the basic criticisms they got. It would have stopped it immediately. And and that presentation, besides, because now it's just a video recording. I think if it was live, it would have taken its place next to how iPhone was announced, how MacBook Air was announced. It would have immediately be one of those, if someone's creating a compilation video it would have taken its place right next to it i feel like yes it's a huge risk how would you display something like that on the stage how would you show the audience but they could have done it because they did it years ago with the ipad when they were showing minecraft with ar there would have been ways and if they combine it with pre-recorded other stuff it would have worked i feel i'm just i'm just saying i'm just thinking out loud yeah john let me ask john for a second John, you were watching this at home, right? Or on a screen. So this is interesting because I never really thought about this until Farouk was talking. So we're in the audience. They like he says, "Hey, we have Just one more salting, thing." Right? Sal- salting something <laughs> the wounds there, uh, Andrew. When Tim says we have one more thing, everybody there starts cheering and clapping. But I assume when you're watching on the video feed, you can't hear the crowd, right? It's just like, no. he's just like, hey, we have one more thing. And it's just like, okay. we're just So it almost, that had to be the flattest one more thing that you've ever seen in your life. Is, is that accurate? Yeah. I mean, there was no audience like, woo, uh, exciting. And again, we were expecting it, right? Those watching at home and follow the space. Right. We're not surprised. I thought Farouk's point about doing it live is interesting. If you can pull it off and show it well, then it's, it's a transcendent moment like the iPhone. But if you don't have that golden path like Steve had in 2007 and something happens, I'm also not sure a chunk of the functionality that they showed is there right now. Even I thought the biggest wow moment was the Disney, the Disney preview. Like that's not a functional thing that works. I'm not sure showing it live could have had the effect that it did recorded. But if they could have pulled it off, it would have been really epic. You look at what Microsoft did when HoloLens launched. And like they showed it on stage. You're like, yeah, let's play Minecraft on this table. And you're like, what? And then like Minecraft showed up on a table. You're like, that's crazy. It seemed that Apple was really nervous. 
It also showed me kind of what I've suspected. I think a lot of people suspected they don't have the use case for this thing yet, right? Like, what are they going to show? Like, what's the what's the killer thing they're going to show? I don't think they know what it's going to be. They're creating a great platform. It's like a like a body on white when you make a car, right? Like, it's there's a there's something there, but like, what's going to go on top of it? I'm not sure that they know the answer yet. Fruit. Do you see a killer app? A reason? The reason that people are going to want to buy it, aside from it's new. Aside from it's cool, like is there a use case that you've identified yet? For myself? Yeah. I would love to expand all my windows all around me and edit my videos that way and not worried about my XDR display being there. So in that sense, I'm really excited for it because I kind of have the glimpse of it with PSVR 2. It has that transparent version where you can see outside and as minimum as that is whenever i'm in that mood when i'm marking the the area that i'm gonna play the game i always wish like hey i wish i can put like screens here and there and then so in that sense i think for me it has a use case but for my parents for example i don't know what to tell them (laughs) you know if they want one right but maybe in time, I don't know. I have a joke. Just bear with me for a minute. The <laughs> Matrix is a great movie, right? Why am I already laughing? Just bear with me. The Matrix is a great movie, right? But have you ever tried to explain the Matrix plot to somebody? You mm. sound like an insane person. <laughs> like, it just, like, doesn't make sense. You're like, they're, they're, they're kind of in the future, but like, there's, there's robots too, and like, they're using us for batteries. And you're like, all right, bro, like, <laughs> chill on the edibles. I feel like it's the same <laughs> thing trying to explain like Vision Pro to people. I think those that are going to get it and are going to be in and are going to spend that a huge amount of money. And those that are very much in the like, let's wait and see. Like, let's wait and see what's going to, uh, to happen. I think most people want to wait and see what the platform is going to bring. And if anybody can bring it, it's definitely going to be, going to be Apple. Yeah. Yeah. And, and their developers. I mean, it's really, yeah. it's really going to be, I guess in my opinion, I remember when the app store first came out, right? Like obviously Apple built the iPhone, Apple built iOS or iPhone OS at the time. But when the app store came out, Apple had Texas Hold'em. It had like one of the worst games, right? And the app store was a a raging success right out of the gate, not because of Apple's apps though. Nope. Apple built the platform and they let the developers go to town. And I'm, I'm assuming, I'm assuming it's going to be similar here. The developers are going to be the ones that are the bigger thinkers because Apple plays it safe a lot of the time, right? Like, I think that's fair to say Apple, even with their big ideas, they start by playing things safe. And maybe that's an effect of having such a large customer base that they don't want to ruffle anybody's feathers they want to be as it's almost like going to a buffet where when you go to a buffet there's something for everyone but it's not a five-star meal right there's something for everybody to enjoy agreed it's safe but you so you're, you're saying that and i you, you made a good point about when the apps were launched here are just the, the the top five paid apps in 2008 all right when it launched okay koi pond texas hold'em moto chaser the top free overall downloads were Pandora Radio, Facebook, Shazam, Tap Tap Revenge, and Labyrinth Light Edition. Like, we're going to get the Koi Pond apps here. <laughs> yeah, a lot. Yep, yep. Like, there's going to be a lot of Koi Ponds happening. A lot of Koi Ponds. Here on, yeah. on Vision Pro for a while, you know, until you get to Final Cut, you know, until you get to the social media apps and TikTok, all, all those kind of things. Like, we got a ways to go. A lot of Beat Saber-like games in the beginning. Yeah. I get the reticence for a lot of people. Like, you want to say you were there when it was with Koi Pond? Or you want to say I saved the money and I jumped in when I could edit videos? Right. Like, I don't know. We'll see what people want to say. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's a good point. Let's switch topics real quick. All right. So one that I know, I know you love this one, John. I already know what you're talking about. So we're going we're gonna to move over to talking about EVs for a minute because you are a Rivian owner. I am two Rivian owner. Oh. I'm a double Rivian owner. Oh, you have two. I didn't realize you had two. Oh, I thought you had one and then traded. No, no. I have an R1T. My wife drives the R1S. Okay. 
double Rivian owner here. You have them all. Farouk, I know you plan to buy yes. a Rivian. I'm still over here in a Model Y. AMA, ask me anything for those that are that are interested. Oh, come on. Let's talk about it. I mean, there's something about Rivian that design, I think, that USB-C looking the lights. Yeah. And then it has that ADR looking front of it. I just, I just love that car so much. And Jenna bought one and we were going to make a video, but then some unforeseen stuff happened and then, and then we delayed it. But that thing is just gorgeous to look at. Are you looking at the R1T or the R1T or the R1S? S, the S. S is an incredible SUV. My, first of all, my wife loves it more than any other car she's ever, ever owned. It's her first EV. We have three kids. It is, first of all, the most practical car we've ever had. It's the best family car we've ever had. It's the most useful car we've ever had. It holds the most of any car we've ever had. It's the fastest car she's ever had. It is like all of those things in one thing. I had a, my, my kids were swimming in the pool yesterday. I had to inflate a giant inflatable. I just used the air compressor in the truck. Super easy. Took like six minutes to do. <laughs> it was absolutely incredible. I'm not, I don't tell anybody they should spend their money on every car is a unique purchase. I love my Rivians. I would buy them again in a heartbeat. Oh, it's so nice to hear. And you, you are a former Tesla Model X and S, right? S, I had one of the original Model S in 2012, followed up with the Model X. Then I had a Model 3, only Tesla aside from the OG Roadster I haven't had is the Y. So I've done my gamut. So when you say this is the best in all these different categories, it's including these other yeah yeah absolutely i i love teslas too i just i i pivoted away from them because i just didn't want to look at the same ui for another it had been almost eight years and like i just wanted to look at something different yeah <laughs> teslas are great i have i have no knock on teslas whatsoever the rivians aren't perfect but they're really good like they're like they're really really good at pretty much everything you like this more than the lucid too i did i mean i loved the performance that lucid was incredible but the the software made it a tough car to love. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what about, uh, we've seen this week, Tesla has built the first cyber truck. Yeah. In Texas, <laughs> the first official cyber truck came off the line. Is that like a legit, it's come off the line and now we're making them? Or is it like, we just made one? No, no. It's production intent. So trying to show like how the production line would work to build a car. So it, it's not a production car. It's a production intent. So they test all the equipment. They see how things work together, how the welding is, how the panel gaps are, you know, how the material quality is, you know, those kind of things. So it's not a signal of production, but it's a signal that production is coming. So as someone who is not as into, like, I like cool cars that are like gadgets. I'm not a car guy, if that makes sense. Fair. So yeah. All, we've seen the Cybertrucks around for a while. So how is this different than the ones we've already seen driving around town? So from what I understand, they weren't hand-built necessarily. Obviously, they needed big casting machines, but they weren't built using a full production line that was made for Cybertruck. This was a full kind of soup to nuts, from what I understand at least, production line intended just for Cybertruck. And how excited does this make you for this product out of curiosity? I have a reservation. But I, I I can't drive it. I, maybe I'm too old. <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think my wife would let me get it anyway if I wanted to. <laughs> I am not the target person for a Cybertruck. That that's not me. I'm sure plenty of people will. They've got a, over a million reservations. We'll see how many convert to actual orders. I think the biggest thing holding the Cybertruck back is going to be price, and it's going to be wives and girlfriends saying not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> So it's the look for you, I'm assuming. It's the look. Yeah, I just not that that's not that's not my that's not my jam. Plenty of people sure it's gonna be for plenty of people, but like I've seen it in person. I was there at the launch event, I saw it again at the Peterson Museum. Like it just looks unrendered in your brain. It's hard to like look at this thing and be like, this is like a real thing. It's also huge. And I don't think the pictures or video do the actual size of it justice. It is a big truck. It is a very large vehicle uh, that you're going to need plenty of space to park and then obviously charge. And then Farouk, what are you? So you left Twitter when Elon bought it. Yeah. Does that also mean like you would never buy a Tesla because Elon owns that company? Or like, what is it about Elon's buying Twitter that made you instantly leave? Well, the attitude, 
I don't know. I don't buy it. I don't buy that marketing, how they use the freedom of speech as marketing mm. term coming from yeah. a country where I know what the lack of freedom of speech actually means. Uh, it was always rubbing me the wrong way. And then just recently, he interfered with the Turkish elections. And that was the last thing for me, you know. So it is really sad for me because I have nothing against Tesla's. I, I think it's really sad that it's as associated with him so bad that, you know, a lot of things just makes you feel like, well, I'm not rooting for this guy, but, you know, it's a cool vehicle. But to me, even before all of that, when we were looking at Teslas, we were considering because we want to switch to EV, obviously. We drive regular combustion engine cars right now. And if we're getting something new, I don't want to get another combustion engine car. And all the build quality and everything was pretty bad, but we were thinking, hey, we love technology so much, we love software so much, and this looks like an iPhone on wheels. So, you know, it was making us feel warm towards it, but we never got the chance because you're going to pay that much money. Actually, back then, that much money was not that big of a problem because to us, it felt like, when I say us, I mean as a family, it felt like it's an investment in a company that is striving to make a good change in the world. So when they released the not a flamethrower, I didn't mind paying that much money for it because I was like, yeah, this is like an investment for the boring company. It is good. It's going to be good. Even though it was like, a, I don't know, like a hundred dollar thing that's put together from Amazon. I didn't care. That was not the point when I was buying that. But yeah, in time, all of that faded away. So right now, I don't know, I probably would not buy a Tesla just because of that. Not because of the car, but because of the association. Yeah. And so one other thing that Tesla, Tesla is having its moment in a way over the past couple of weeks because the North American, which is actually a hilariously named port. Tesla made its own port for charging and named it North American Charging Standard when it was not a standard. It was just their port. I don't know what happened. I haven't been paying attention to the news like prior, but all of a sudden I just started seeing in my feed almost on a daily basis, car company after car company, manufacturer after manufacturer saying we are adopting Tesla's charger into our vehicles. I don't know. I don't know what happened. John, do you know what happened here? Yeah, the first the first shoe dropped Ford and General Motors. And sort of once those two big were on board, the scales tipped, tipped very, very quickly. Mercedes is now committed to it. Rivian's committed to it. BMW's in discussions. Volkswagen's in discussions. You know, it's all going to make the move. I wanted to move back a little bit to discussion on Elon, right? I think there are very few people that are as polarizing as, as a person uh, of Elon. I think generally people have, I love him or I don't sort of thought and mentality. And I think if you can separate the man from the products, you can see the Tesla has certainly changed the course of automotive history, right? SpaceX privatized space travel again. I was on a trip a few months ago to Detroit and I was at the Henry Ford Museum. And I asked them, people don't know Henry Ford is a very, was a very troubled man. He had a lot of racist beliefs, a lot of anti-Semitic beliefs. And I asked them how they rectified it. The curator of the museum, having a museum dedicated to him. And they said that they try to separate the man from the products and what he did. And I'm not saying how I feel about Elon one way or another, but it's going to become impossible, I think, to not separate the man from the products. You know, you've got the North American charging standard, which is a Tesla product. Are people not going to buy EVs now because they don't like Elon? Or is, is, is are people going to have to sort of make that separation? And I think it's going to be very interesting to see what happens there, especially considering that the NACS is like an infinitely better port than CCS right now. I mean, like it's not even like the, the same world as far as ease of use. I'm saying that from somebody who, who used the NACS port for eight years and has now been on CCS for, for two years. Like it's not even the same ballpark. So I think it's the narrative on Elon is still yet written, right? He's a very interesting man to follow and certainly very polarizing. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's interesting. Like I, I used to just think prior to him, I guess it was, it was really Twitter that <laughs> where he kind of revealed more of his personality or whatever. Prior, I was like, this is a genius dude. Like now, obviously I can't fact check him when it comes to science, when he's talking about rockets and when he's talking about EVs and when he's like all the science that he just, it seems like he just has it right at the tip of his tongue, like just right there. And it's just like, how is this man so knowledgeable about we've got EVs, then we've got transportation underground and how, how to make, he knows like how to do it. It's not like he has to like say, like a lot of times I'll be in a briefing with a company and I'll ask a question and they're like, oh, we'll get back to you. We have to check with the product manager or we have to like, no, he's just like, he just has it. Right. And then they switch to space travel. He had, like, he just has all these things. And then they switch to Neuralink and like putting a chip in your brain. He has all this stuff just right there. Like, how can you not see at least his level of knowledge. Again, I can't fact check it. So I'm, I'm taking, I'm assuming that when he's talking, what he's saying is correct because we can see the success of the different companies that he's run so far simultaneously. But then you, <laughs> you pair that, you pair the genius knowledge to the, I don't know what you want to call it, the personality that he reveals. And then it's like, oh, it's like when you when you observe Steve Jobs as a visionary, as the head of Apple, all the products that were released underneath his watch, and then you hear about the kind of dad he was to one of his children, or like how he treated some of his employees and co-founders. Like then it's like oh, like it's almost the whole "don't meet your heroes" kind of thing, you know, the vision that you see, and then. What is behind it sometimes can be a little jarring or disappointing or, 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 or an opposite. It could be, you know, some people love it. Some yes, I, I love that this is who Elon is, but I don't know that, <laughs> I don't know that it's the best strategy to, to polarize. I'm, again, I don't know, because as, as I'm speaking, as I, as I say this, and I think I, there's a lot of polarizing people recently who they get much success, probably because they're so polarizing. So I don't know. That was a long-winded answer to say you don't know. What's my point? Yeah, well, I don't even have a point here. I don't have a point <laughs> here, John. <laughs> For me, no, I, I, like, I like that we're going to have a standard North American charter, no matter what it is. But I do agree that the actual plug, the port, is superior. My curiosity that I don't know, maybe you guys do, is that port capable of continuing to deliver faster charging speeds. Because when we see the other, there was like, there was one and then they had to like add another one on the bottom to like continue getting those faster speeds. Is this one port going to be able to continue to advance kind of like how, I don't know, USB-C can also be Thunderbolt 1, Thunderbolt 2, Thunderbolt 4, et cetera? Yeah, so the NACS connector is a max of a thousand volts. Oh, which will give us plenty of power. That means it can deliver about 615 kilowatts of power, which no car can handle that right now anyway. So that's what it's capable of. The current Tesla version three superchargers only deliver 250 kilowatts. So there's, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of headroom there for improvement from the same port. The cables have to get bigger cool. and more okay. thermal management, but the port can handle very, very, very fast speed theoretically. I'm not sure they've ever tested delivering that much power and blow something up, but that's, that's ultimately where we're probably headed at some point. That's nice. Okay. Farouk, did you already place a pre-order, I'm assuming? No. No, I'm still thinking about not. it. Okay. I did not. If I'm not mistaken, if you place a pre-order, you have to wait like, it's still like a year or something before you get your R1S? Wow. It's crazy. It's like, it's a long lead time. So you're going to want to get it in. Hey, maybe by the time you get yours, it'll have the North American Charity Standard Port on it. <laughs> at least it'll have the adapter coming next year yeah nice i also want to first go and see it in person the one actually i i want to go see jenna and try out her rivian hers is beautiful and then ask her experience and then fully make up my mind because it feels like it's a huge commitment and i don't drive that much so you know it's going to be something sitting in the garage quite a lot so i have to be sure if I want it or not. Because my car is mine. 
I don't pay anything. It just sits in the garage, and when it dies, it dies. Fair. There's, some, there's definitely something to be said for that, but it's a tough choice. Cars are so personal. There's no like right or wrong yeah. for anybody. Also, I, I drive a Roadster, and I love Roadster, and I always had small cars that are zippy and fast, and I know this EV is going to be zippy and fast, but it's also high. So whenever it's time to go to CES or NAB or anything that requires a little driving, I go and rent a car, and I usually rent an SUV, and I feel like, yeah, I feel like I can get used to this. It feels a little comfortable, especially compared to a roster where you're jumping with every bump on the street. And I'm like, maybe I'm getting too old to drive a roadster, or maybe I made it this far. Let's keep on driving roadster. So if BMW comes up with an electric roadster, I probably will stop everything and pre-order that. But other than that, I'm very much in love with the way Rivian looks so far and the things I hear about it. Yes. John loves his. I do. Listen, I got. I have over 20,000 miles on mine. I've had it for a little over a year. My wife has 10,000 miles on hers. She got it in November. We drive our cars and absolutely love them. When you drive it, put it in sport mode. I'll tighten the suspension for you. You'll get more of a... not going to get a roadster feel. We get more of a sporty feel. And then when you hit the accelerator pedal, you'll love that instant torque. Farouk, thanks for joining us this week. Oh, absolutely. We appreciate Farouk, it. Thank you. Oh, thank, thank you, you so, so much, much for having me. What an honor. Let people know where to see you, where to find you, where to, where to watch more of you. Well, I'm on YouTube as iPhone That's like Nintendo or Avocado, but it's iPhone And on Instagram and threads, it's spelled different, but it is the same thing, iPhone But when you put in iPhone to search bar, it will show up. And then on TikTok, same as YouTube, it's iPhone the way it's on YouTube. I'll drop links down in the description. Come say hi. And that is it for this edition of Geared Up. Thank you so much for listening. Of course, you can catch John and I on YouTube. I'm at youtube.com slash gear live. And John is at youtube.com slash John for Lakers. Feel free to head over and subscribe to our channels to stay up to date on all the latest tech. Speaking of subscribing, you can subscribe to Geared Up in your favorite podcast app if you haven't done so already. Just search Geared Up, that's two words, not one, in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Overcast, or really wherever you choose to listen. If you like what we do, please consider leaving us a rating and review. It really helps other people find the show. Geared Up is a Gear Live podcast, and you can see more from us at gearlive.com. Thank you so much for listening. For John Rettinger, I'm Andrew Edwards, and we'll catch you in the next episode.